0: Soccer fans, welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 67. I'm your host, Al Katar, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal?
1: I'm doing well, man, but uh, I'm back in Toledo, and you're not here.
0: No, I'm not. I uh, vacationed down to Arizona to see our good friend of the podcast, uh, D. He was on an episode, or maybe a couple episodes.
1: Yeah, I think think he was on a couple of episodes. Also, uh, he was part of the group that created... Uh, our intro and outro, so thank you, Dee. He was also our social media intern for a little while. Remember that?
0: Oh, yeah. Those were the, but he didn't really those do were that, the glory though, days. He?
1: he? He did for, like, a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. How's Arizona, though? I, I imagine it's a lot warmer than it is here.
0: Um. Yeah, and it's it's not too hot. Like, when you come in August, I think it's, like, too hot. Right now, it's, like, a nice, like, 60 degrees. Like, got a nice wind freeze. It's just a Just That's a nice perfect. temperature. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it was negative eight this morning. sucks. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Is it snowing? <laughs> Does it look nice?
1: It, I mean, the snow is is nice because no one's moved it. But it, I mean, it's it's been like that for a couple of days. It hasn't snowed recently. <laughs> okay,
0: uh, Got
1: it. yeah, yeah. Also, other exciting news: we have a new baby cousin. How about that?
0: Yeah, uh, we weren't expecting it. She was like a month early. That's pretty cool.
1: O- yeah, only for Sahana. us. Sahana, Sahana. It's a cool name. Maybe someday cool she'll name. be on
0: the podcast if she's a professional soccer player.
1: Well, you know, by the time she's my age, I'll be 42, so...
0: Are you saying, 40, are you saying we're going to stop the podcast before you're 42?
1: Well, no, she, she might have to replace me, but I, I might be uh, too washed up for, for this. For for
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, let, let's move on to the soccer.
0: All right, why don't we get right into the soccer? Saturday, the biggest Italian game of the season happened, Juventus versus Roma. Juventus came into the game four points ahead of Roma-Roma. Wanted to cut the gap to one point. Unfortunately, they could not. Uh, it ended up being 1-0 thanks to an Iguaine strike in the 14th minute early on. Iguaine muscled off De Rossi, dribbled it past Manolis, and put it past Chesney with his left foot. It was a great shot. And Juventus uh, ended up being able to defend for the rest of the game. Uh, overall, what, what were your thoughts on this game? We saw Roma enter with a 4-2-3-1. Juventus enter with a 4-4-2. Um, what What were your thoughts?
1: Well, I, 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 I'm interested to, to hear what your thoughts are. We, we did watch it together, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think Roma were were set up in the first half to succeed. Uh, you know, their midfield is obviously very good with nine Golan as their attacking force with De Rossi and Strument behind him. But really, there was no wing play in this game. Jairson uh, was playing on the right wing. Diego Perotti was playing on the left wing, and they just couldn't get into the match, and they weren't able to give Ed and Dzeko the service yeah. he needed. And, and,
0: you know, if your wingers aren't going to play well, then Dzeko's really not going to play well. He's not, he's not the type absolutely. of player that's just going to succeed on his own.
1: Absolutely, and he's, he's been the focal point uh, of their uh, of their attack this season, and he's been one of the best strikers in all of Europe. So I, I don't think they were able to effectively bring him into the match. Uh, really, the only, the only wide player who's getting any kind of... Uh, uh, crosses into the box was, was uh, Rüdiger, uh, who was playing right back, Antonio Rüdiger, the German. And, you know, he, even then he was a little bit out of position. Emerson at left back was, was, was useless. Um, I thought uh, Daniela Rugani had a fantastic match. Uh, he defended well. He, all his passes were, were on point. Um, you know, they, they were able to – Allegri was able to, to change up the, the tactics with bringing on Quadrado and playing with more wide players. He brought on Barzagli as well. and And that team is just so deep, man. I mean – you look at their subs. The, the subs they brought on were Andrea Barzagli, Paolo Bala, and Juan Cuadrado. Like, That's not in that close. order. Yeah. But yeah. that being said, Roma brought on Mohamed Salah, Stefan El-Shirawi, and Bruno Perez. Bull. So, I mean, those are yeah. those are some pretty good subs, too. But I, I think Bruno Perez should have been starting the match. I think Jerson was a question mark. Obviously, Mohamed Salah, not 100% healthy. He's coming off an injury. So you know, maybe they were sort of forced to play Jerison but you still had no, Stefan El Yeah, Shirelli.
0: you still had El on the bench. And I, I think jerison coming into this game, had never played a full 90 minutes for Roma. He played 85 minutes total. Not the type of game that you want to get jerison experience. And I, I don't know if it was trying to throw off Juventus or...
1: I, I just, I think, I, I mean, I don't know what it was, but he, he did absolutely nothing. Uh, I, You know, he never came into the match. Um so I I you know you, you felt like this would be a match that Roma could capitalize on especially with uh, uh Benucci, Leonardo Benucci injured as well as Danny Alves which is why you know they had um uh, Rugani playing but Rugani did a masterful job of of holding uh R- Rugani and Kilini both did a masterful job of of holding Jeko uh, in check and, and you know there there, there were times where I think Roma were trying to be creative where they had Dzeko stay at the top of the box to keep Chiellini out of the box in and, uh, and set-piece situations. But, you know, you, you got to have the focal point of your your, your attack in there. Uh, and ultimately, they weren't able to get much done. I think Perotti had maybe one or two chances towards the end of the match.
0: Yeah, the, um, one of the biggest chances was... That, yeah, there was a free kick by Perotti, like, sailed all over the Roma players, but Manolas didn't expect that. So he, like... Went for a diving header, but it was too late because he just didn't see it coming.
1: Yeah, and, that's right.
0: Uh, yeah, and there was uh, yeah. there was one corner kick where Fazio had it, but he couldn't slide it to Manolas, uh, and it was
1: cleared up. That's right. Generally. That's right. And you know, it's, it's just clear that, that Juventus are the class of Serie A right now. Uh, it's going to be hard for Roma to catch up with them. I, I think it's possible. You know, it, a one one nothing loss away from home in Turin is not the worst thing in the world. Um, but you feel like you feel like Roma at least needed to get a draw in order to keep pace with Juventus. It's going to be tough yeah. for them. But I th- yeah. I believe I believe Juventus play Milan this weekend, so you know they could end up dropping points again.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely possible. It's just Roma's going to have to be near perfect from here on out and probably win the reverse fixture with Juventus. But going back to this game, um, you know, on paper it might seem like Roma dominated, which is just not—I mean, we had 61% possession to their 39, and we had 10 shots to their 7, but we only tested Buffon twice, and what, Chesney had to make a couple good saves, uh, a couple on Sturaro, I remember in particular, in the second half, um, so he kind of he kept this game closer than it meant to be. Never really that great of a shot on target for, uh, for Roma. And uh, and most of our possession was spent in our own half a lot. It was very hard for us to get it out of our own half when, especially when Juventus was pressuring Manjukic, one of the one of the best in, in the league at pressuring. So, um, the,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, you, Juventus did a great job of, of keeping Roma out of out of the attacking third. And you know, Alexi Lawless always talks about on TV possession with with purpose, and that wasn't evident with Roma and it was just very frustrating as, as someone who was rooting for Roma. Um, I'm sure for you, it was much worse. It was just a very frustrating match to watch because it seemed like Roma were just out of ideas. They weren't able, they weren't able to break down the event's defense. Um, you know, I mean, there were some errant passes really. And, and you felt like Roger Golan was really the only player who, who seemed like he was doing anything. Um, I think, for, I think Daniela De Rossi is, is over it, to be honest. I think, I, I don't know if he's good enough anymore. No, um, not
0: against the better sides. So.
1: Right. So, you know, I think they, they have some, you know, it's, it's very impressive that, that Roma are able to do what they do with the, uh, I mean, they're a good team. Uh, but, you know, th- I, I think they just, they need a true creative player in the midfield, I think.
0: W- which um, I think was Miralem Pjanic.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> it, it was, uh, and nine Golan does well as at, at center attacking mid, but I think he's much more effective as a two way midfielder. I don't know how uh, you feel about uh, that. I
0: definitely agree. This, it's really hit or miss. Like he's, yes, he scored twice in the past three games, but I mean those are positions that he could have gotten in either way. Like uh, I don't, I don't think that he helps link the midfield in the attack.
1: Uh, right, well, and obviously I, I'm not making this comparison in, in terms of talent, but you know Roger nine Golan's a much better player than Michael Bradley in my opinion, and in pretty much everyone's opinion um, but it, it's kind of like when Michael Bradley would play center attacking midfielder against CONCACAF opponents versus against you know top top opponents. you know he can get the job done, but yeah. you need you need a, a true number a true number 10. Um, or you know, play with two strikers. I think that's another option Roma could yeah. export. Um, but but I, there needs to be some there needs to be someone there, and that's something they have to address in uh, in January. I think, I
0: think I think a big a big thing is that Spalletti lost confidence in El Shirawi. He hasn't played much this season. If he mm-hmm. was in the form like last season, I think you could easily say put Perotti in that ten roll and just start El at outright. Well,
1: we, we saw that a little bit towards the end of the match, right when when El Shirawi came on. Um, you know, they sort of switched to Perotti being underneath um, underneath Jeko with with Elsharawi and Salah on the wings, and, and, and they started to look more like a cohesive attack. Um, but I think coming into this match, Spalletti just didn't want to Spalletti didn't want to sacrifice his his uh, his midfield, um, which which he would ha- have had to do. So that's why Pjanic was so great, right? Because he was a creative player, but he also did a midfielder's job as well. And he, you know, he's he's just a huge loss, huge loss for Roma. And I thought he had a decent match uh, for Juventus before he got hurt. Um, he but, dived
0: yeah. a few times. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, he was a uh, he he was, <laughs> yeah.
0: I, There's a bit, a little bit of salt there, so. Um. No,
1: yeah, it's just, I think this is not necessarily related to Roma and Juventus, it's just, it's so, one of the worst things, in my opinion, about European soccer is, is, you know, teams like Juventus and Bayern Munich and, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona, they, you know, they buy talent from within the league and... It's you know it, it kind of sucks because it's it sort of it sort of takes away the the competitiveness towards the top of the table, especially in Serie A. Uh You know Roma really going forward can't afford to sell their best players to Juventus because uh, you know you're never you're never gonna win the you're never gonna win the league if you do that. Yeah, in my no, I definitely agree, and I, I,
0: we're almost done with this, but. I think that John Solano, who featured on our Serie A preview last year, had a had a good tweet. You know, the Scudetto isn't lost in in games like this for Roma. It's lost when you can't beat the provincial sides and you drop points against those teams. Because, Absolutely. You know, we've we've dropped points against Atalanta and Sampdoria. If you win those games, then th- this isn't a must win. This is a game that you can say, okay, they're Juventus going into Turin, like that's. But now it's like you, think, you have to think about it like, oh, they're dropping points and we'd be gaining points. This is a chance to swing. But in reality, it should be looked at as just a hard game that you're probably not going to get points from. So you have to, you have to finish against the provincial sides. Absolutely. And the
1: thing is, you know, the, the, other, the other thing is, is Champions League qualification. You know, Roma are in second place right now with 35 points. But Atlanta are in sixth place with 32 points. So even ch- at this point, Champions League is not a sure thing for them. Uh, automatic qualification is definitely not a sure thing yeah. for them. So, you know, you really have to get the job done. And, and I think, you know, Roma, I just don't think they have the the talent to consistently break down defenses right now. I think if they are in a more open match, they can they can compete. Um, and you know we're going to talk about Everton and Liverpool a little bit, and I, I, it's a similar comparison in that Everton, you know, against teams in the bottom half of the table, we cannot beat them because we can't break them down. Um, but when it's a more open match, like with Arsenal, we can compete in that way. Yeah. And Rome, Roma are a better team than Everton. You know, that's there's no that's not a secret. But you see with that lack of creative presence, they just aren't able to break. Juventus down, even with two of their better defenders missing. Yep. So, um, you know, Roma... I I, I I am confident Roma will finish second or third in the league. Um,
0: thirds Third is really not good enough. We know how hard it is for Serie A teams to... to. to...
1: Well, start, start, starting this year, you get four, don't you? Or is that next I, year?
0: I think that's next year.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough. But like I said, Juventus does play AC Milan. Um... This week, you know, obviously, if Milan wins, you know, it, it's sort of a lose lose for for Roma. You gotta, you gotta, you know, because AC Milan then could theoretically jump Roma. Um,
0: so I mean, well, you mean, to, if we trust, you,
1: like, yeah. you have to decide as a fan: is is the Scudetto is it over? Is the race over? Or uh, do you just want Juventus to run the table and and take all the points they can from other teams? Or do you think you got a chance to to catch up?
0: Yeah, I, that, that's true. It, it is a decision that you have to make when you're in terms of who you're rooting for. I, I think a draw would be nice. I mean, yeah. that's true. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's that's at least only two points distributed. Yep. So, all right.
0: Everton Liverpool the Merseyside derby happened on Monday at one o'clock, and Liverpool ended up taking all three points thanks to a ninety fourth minute strike by Sadio Mane. Sturridge managed to beat Baines on the dribble, fires off a shot with his left foot across. Uh, across to the opposite post, and Mane is able to easily clean it up, and it ended up one zero for Liverpool. Overall, uh, how, did you have fun watching this game, as an Everton fan?
1: No, it was awful. <laughs> um, you know, since since I've been watching Everton, I don't think we've beaten Liverpool. Maybe once. No, I, no I, I, maybe I,
0: Jagielka's wonder strike.
1: No, that was to tie it, Sahel. That was, oh, was to tie
0: it. Yeah, oh, that's not as cool. though.
1: Even that, I had work that morning, and I, ha- I left in the 88th minute.
0: <laughs> that sucks. I, I, I've never seen it live.
1: so, so I missed that. Um, but yeah, that was to tie it. Uh, really, this match changed at halftime, because in the, in the first 20 minutes, Everton were dominating. They had their share of chances. You know, they weren't straightforward chances, but Ross Barkley had the ball at his feet. You felt like he should have done something better. Um, but it really changed at halftime when James McCarthy got hurt and Gareth Barry came in. After that, Everton sat deep, let Liverpool attack, and, you know, Everton just could not get the ball, and they could not get any attacking opportunities. And eventually, if you do that, Liverpool are going to break you down. Barry is over it. Um, you know, he started off the season pretty well, but he is he's over the hill. He's Especially against a, a fast team like Liverpool that's going to press. I mean... Gareth Barry just doesn't cover enough ground, which is, you know, you saw James McCarthy and Idrisa uh, Gay in the first half covering all that ground and taking the ball and uh, moving the ball forward. Also, Ener Valencia is not a winger. I, I don't think yeah, he did much in this match. Yeah, I was, he, was he didn't really uh, do anything. Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, you had Kevin Morales on the bench. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't used. Uh, Jared De La Feu didn't even make the bench. Um, Did you think that yeah, the
0: Calvert-Lewin substitution? Was, was that the right play by Kuman? I mean,
1: it was another striker played at a wing. I would have rather have seen Kevin Morales. Um, but, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I'm excited for him. He, you can tell he's, he's going to be a good player, um, like based on his, uh, on his touch and, and his, his demeanor. I think he wasn't phased by the occasion. Um, that being said, you know, you kind of want an experienced goal scorer like Kevin Morales on the field. Um, but, you know, Liverpool deserved to win in the end, I think, you know, it, it was, uh, Roma, or not Roma, Everton defended and, you know, they just could Liverpool, you, you can't, you cannot sustain, um, you can't sustain like that. You can't let, you can't, you can't continue to let them attack with, without having them score. And, you know, credit to Liverpool. It was a heartbreaking, heartbreaking yeah. loss. It was,
0: kind of, it was kind of a lucky um, goal. I mean... Like... Yeah,
1: no, it was. I mean, Robles, I think, has to do better there. He was maybe blinded. You know, Sturridge is dribbling uh, across the face of goal to, to his left. Um, he, he takes a shot across goal. Robles dives to his left it hits the post. And, uh, you know, Sadio Mane follows it up. And so you're uh, saying Robles, uh, Robles
0: should have saved Sturridge's shot?
1: I, I think so. Uh, maybe not. You know, maybe he was blinded but you could tell he, he hesitated right before he dove i don't know if you noticed that yeah um, but i think i think the injury to james mccarthy and the injury to martin seklemburg really made a big difference in this match because that's two substitutes down one being a goalkeeper and you know it's hard in, in a match like this it would have been nice to have some fresh legs towards the end to in order to to ensure that we win or or we draw excuse me um I I think I think it caught up. uh, It caught up to us, Um, but you know, much like Roma, Everton did not get Romelu Lukaku involved at all. He's just on an island. Especially, well, in the first half he was more involved, but especially in the second half, you know, he's on an island. Gareth Barry makes the entire team drop to cover for the lack of ground he can cover, and it ends up biting us in the butt. So. Like I said, credits of Liverpool. What are they, they? Are they in second place right now? Yeah,
0: they're six points um, off of Chelsea.
1: Yeah, so you know, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think that even though Joel Robles, maybe you should have saved that last shot at the end. He did make a couple good saves. Uh, in the 82nd minute, great effort by Roberto uh, yeah. Firmino on the corner kick. He just volleyed it, and he had to force a great save out of Robles.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a great save. Um, but Everton, like Roma, they both need to go out in January, which is, you know, 10 days away and, and, and bring in some, some players, some difference makers, uh, cause you know, they, they need it, especially Everton. And
0: apparently, I mean, I don't know, you, you know about Everton's financial situation better than I do, but they they have the money after this new ownership, correct?
1: Yeah, they, they should have the money. I mean, that's at least what we believe so, you know, there, there are players, you know, they're saying we might be going after Gabbiadini again, which I'd be very happy with, um, you know, Morgan Schneiderlin, Memphis Depay, those, those are the players we're being linked with right now. So, I mean, I'd be happy with all of them.
0: At this point in the season, you're, you, do you think that Ashley Williams has, has outdone what John Stone's done in the previous year? And are you okay with that swap?
1: Oh, Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that John Stones will be a great, great defender. That being said, there is also no doubt in my mind that Ashley Williams right now is a much better defender than John Stones and a much better leader. Uh, and especially with Phil Jackyelka not playing that well, you need someone like Ashley Williams in defense there. And we signed him for, what, 10 million, 11 million pounds and sold John Stones for like 40, 50 million. So I'm OK with it. Especially since John Stones wanted to leave, and he didn't have a good season last year. So, yeah, I think it was. I think that was a, a, a good piece of b- business, and also uh, uh, Idris Ghana. He, you know, you can just you just he's a great player in the midfield, in the middle of the park.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's actually small. So, like when I first heard about him, I thought he would be like really tall. But...
1: He's like he's like Conte. He's yeah. Conte White. I mean, it's very similar. Yeah, Conte's a better player for sure, but.
0: So from a Liverpool perspective, you know, now they're 6 points behind Chelsea, uh you know, they're showing in this game that they don't just have to win when they're playing spectacularly, they can win an ugly game too. Do you think that Liverpool can challenge Chelsea for the title because right now they're in second place?
1: I think they can. And I think the you know, we're talking about how Roma needs to be near perfect and although Chelsea has been near perfect, I think the margin for error and the Premier League is much larger than it is in Serie A, um, in that you can't afford to drop points here and there. Um, that being said, I think I think Liverpool are a little too inconsistent. They lost to Bournemouth last week. Um, I don't necessarily see them keep pace, uh, but, you know, they can make some signings, and and, and they absolutely could. I, I think Chelsea are going to continue at this pace, though. I know it's kind of just contradicted to myself, saying you you can maybe drop points, but um, I, I don't see them. I don't see them. maybe Maybe that's the Everton fan and me, hoping they don't win. Um, but I, 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 I just don't see it happening. But, you know, they've shown that going forward, they are going to be consistent contenders, because this is this is only – cops this is cops first real year in charge with with his own signings and with his uh his philosophy implemented I- into into liverpool's side um and if they can qualify for the champions league get that money get that you know liverpool is is one of the biggest clubs in the world as as it much as it pains me to say it so that couple with champions league opportunities can really attract some some top level talent um but you know Chelsea are going to get reinforcements too. The rumors that James Rodriguez in January going to come into Chelsea. So <laughs> yeah, be crazy, yeah. Hazard and James. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that that team that team really outdid my expectations this year. I... Well,
1: they didn't. They did not outdo mine okay. because Good job. I I did have to win the title.
0: I'm 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 still going to say Manchester City. Uh, <laughs> if if I have one chance to change my prediction. Actually, the only reason I'm saying that's because I just want to be right initially. I kind of think Chelsea are going to win it, but I'm still going to Manchester City. They're only one point below Liverpool. They could still yeah, pull they're it. Back. There. And, and they,
1: they're, yeah. no, yeah, they're there. You're right.
0: Yeah, they um, they have the potential to to do well too. It's it's it'll be interesting, but I think you're right. If, if Chelsea, it might take like an injury or something for Chelsea at this point. That's true. Um, All right, so our next segment is going to be our stories, our European stories, uh, where we just talk about some broader themes that are happening or, or just not anything but, you know, reviewing over games. So what is your European story for this week?
1: All right, so former U.S. international David Wagner, who's currently the coach of Huddersfield Town, Huddersfield Town, excuse me, in the English Championship, has been linked with a move to Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg are currently 15th place in the Bundesliga. Remember, there are only 18 teams in the Bundesliga, so they're towards the bottom. Huddersfield Town are currently in fourth place. Wagner has done a great job. The report broke on Monday um, that he is the front-runner run, front to uh, sign with Wolfsburg. That being said, today, Wagner came out and said that uh, his focus is on Huddersfield Town, um, and he, <laughs> has con- he has confirmed that... Um, Uh, Quote, it is correct that there has been interest from a few Bundesliga clubs. Uh, They have obviously seen the way we are going at Huddersfield Town and the journey we have been on together over the last 12 12 months. Um, He also said it's important for me to clarify that my focus is on moving forward at Huddersfield Town. He also later in in, in the interview um, said... um, Huddersfield Town may not be a Bundesliga club or one that plays in European competition, but make no mistake, we are a serious, proud, ambitious club with a rich history. So, yeah. um, wow. you know, he, he seems like he's committed. That being said, a, a nice deal uh, back in, uh, in the Bundesliga. Remember, he's, he is a German-American. He was the coach for um, the Borussia Dortmund under-20 team um, or Borussia Dortmund 2 team, the reserve team. Um, when, uh, when Jurgen Klopp was there. So, uh, but it's, it's good news. It's good news for American coaches abroad, especially since Bob Bradley is struggling right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Bob Brad Bradley may be fired, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> the, I think Swansea came out and said they're going to give him time and an opportunity, but I, you know, he needs to start, he needs to start getting results. Yeah.
0: I I just, I just thought like it was kind of funny. It just made me laugh when he was just like, "My focus is on Huddersfield." I don't know. <laughs> it just sounds funny when you're talking about Wolfsburg at the same time. I mean, yeah, he seems he seems dedicated, but like no coach is going to say like, "Oh yeah, I'm definitely like looking forward to go upgrading." Like, I mean,
1: right, I right. Know. But you know, it's it's nice to see some loyalty in soccer. That being said, I'm never going to begrudge anyone for trying to better their own career and better their own lives. Because, you know, Huddersfield Town could fall apart and then all of uh, David Wagner's options are gone, you know? Um, it's the same thing with a player moving to a bigger club. If they have the opportunity uh, to make more money and to be on a bigger stage, you know, you yeah, can take Rome. that opportunity. See, if
0: my kid is at Roma, right? And then yeah. they go to Real Madrid, I'm never talking to them again. That's just <laughs> That's just how it goes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Uh, my European story involves USWNT player Alex Morgan. She had kind of a rough season last year with the Orlando Pride, only scoring four goals in 15 games. But now she's been loaned to France until June. It's a good move. Her dream has always been to play Champions League soccer, and Lyon is headed to the quarterfinals of the, uh, the Women's Champions League um they're they'll be playing Wolfsburg in March. So that's exciting stuff for Alex Morgan. We hope that she can get back to the form that we know she's capable of. So, uh she's a great player.
1: Yeah, wait, they're playing they're playing Wolfsburg. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's a good matchup. I I'm pretty sure Wolfsburg are, are one of the more uh uh Storied. one of the more he, well, I mean none of them are that story because women's football is, is sort of a new thing. Um uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Lyon's a good team. They have um, they have uh, Mar. I cannot. I can never pronounce her name. It's like Jennifer Maroshan, I think. Um, she's a pretty prominent player for for the German national team. Um, so you know, they uh, they also have uh, Ada uh, Ada Hagerberg. So she plays for Norway, and she actually has fifty nine goals and forty three appearances for for uh, Lyon. So. Damn. <laughs> So she and uh, Alex Morgan up top could be, and she's only 21 years old, by the way, um, could be uh, really exciting. Hopefully, hopefully Alex can get into the team. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely one one of like the one of the bigger clubs in Europe. So, it, but it, I, I think it's it's cool to see Americans playing abroad and making an impact. I mean, I guess for women's soccer, like we already have a pretty good name around the world, so like it's not like. Yeah, you know, like,
1: right. But you know, the N- the NWSL we want to survive. It's only a couple of years old. Uh, the previous league, the uh, what was it, the WPSL, Women's Professional Soccer League, something like that. It folded. So you want you want your your top players to be here to generate interest. That's a huge loss for Orlando because I think Alex Morgan is probably the most popular U.S. Women's National Team player right now. Um, so you know it. it it's a big loss for the league, but good for good for Alex Morgan. I'm not on a first name basis with her. <laughs> so. Good for Alex Morgan.
0: All right. <laughs> uh next topic is top five USMT abroad performances, is it not?
1: Uh, are we skipping the expansion?
0: Oh uh, no, no. Let's talk about the expansion draft.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. All so
0: right.
1: the yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <Now> I, <laughs>
0: This, is, this, is, this kind of stuff doesn't actually happen when we're like recording in the same location, because I think there's like a slight delay that throws it all off. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, exactly.
0: All right, so Atlanta United and Minnesota United will be two MLS teams that are coming in 2017, and the expansion draft allows them to uh, draft a couple of current MLS players and add them to their team. So uh, what, what were some of the big coups that some of these teams got in your eyes?
1: Well, of course, you know teams can protect uh, a certain amount of players. So, um, you know, it's not like they can get Jovinko or, or Giovanni Dos Santos. Um, but with the first pick, Atlanta took Danny Toya, um, who, you know, it, it was an interesting choice. Uh, he he's he had a really good run with that with Montreal. Um, he's a fullback from Montreal. He had a really good run with them um, in in the in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League a couple of years ago but I, I don't think he did that much this season um, I think some a, a really good signing for Atlanta was Clint Irwin um, from Toronto we just saw him in, in, in MLS Cup final um, and then for Minnesota uh, you know their third pick, uh, Mohamed Saeed uh, from, from Columbus uh, and Saeed was obviously behind Tony Chani and Will Trap and didn't get uh, you know he, he, he got into a lot of matches but he and he started a lot this year, but I think starting next year they might have phased him out, which is why they they protected the other two and not him. Um, and he's a very good player in, in the middle of the park. So uh, that I thought was was a great pickup for for Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I think their first pickup, Cristobal, was was pretty good too. He's a solid fullback.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Jeff Antonella for Minnesota, um, the the goalkeeper from Real Salt Lake. Uh, when uh, uh, Nick Romano got hurt he was fa- he was fantastic excuse me um, so you know he I'm, I'm excited for him to get his uh, his chance to, to start in, in the league and I'm I'm actually you know it's just hitting me that these two teams are going to start uh, this year you know in a couple in a few months now three months from now four months from now so uh, it's exciting yeah uh,
0: and uh, I think it's good that both these teams got goalkeepers it's just the the pool of like Good goalkeepers is is so small. So I mean, you know, yeah. trying to I, start with like a, goal, a rookie goalkeeper isn't like the best experimentation. So I, I think that, right. especially Klener, when like you said for Minnesota, was right? Well, I'm I'm Atlanta. interested
1: to see where Toronto goes from here with goalkeeper. Um Who they'll bring in?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe Josie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe he he can play anywhere. <laughs>
0: Actually, Giovinco was pretty useless in the final. So. Yeah, he was. Maybe he could. No, oh, he's way too small. <laughs> also, I feel like the ball would just like knock him back into the goal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think so. No, I love Giovinco. But... I
0: mean, I don't love him. But...
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like what he's brought to MLS, but.
1: Okay. Yeah, I I, th- I think everyone does.
0: I, I mean, he was a former Juventus player, so there's
1: a bit of bad blood there. but Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, when, when you talk to him... I would still have
0: him one. on the podcast if you wanted to be, but you would do the talking. I would just kind of listen. Okay. All right, moving on to top five USMNT abroad performances. Number five.
1: Number five um, is DeAndre Yedlin. DeAndre Yedlin started and played 90 minutes in Newcastle's 2-1 win over Burton and Albion. He's consistently starting there. It looks like Newcastle is going to get promotion and hopefully he'll be a starter in the Premier League. Number four. Number four, Jaboli Aribi, the fantastic, well, not fantastic yet, but a very exciting and promising winger for Chesterfield, had an assist in their 1-0 win over Bolton. Number three. <laughs> Number three has a little bit of a delay there. Um, uh, Bjorn Johnson or Johnson um, of Hearts Perry Kitchens Club uh, scored a goal in their one-one draw versus Part- Patrick uh, Thistle or Partick Thistle. Excuse me. Um, that is his sixth goal of the season, and I believe he was named uh, Scottish Premier League Player of the Month. Oh. Okay. Um, so, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's another exciting one. He's, well, he's like 24, 25, but he's, he's scoring goals. The sixth of the season.
0: Uh-huh. Number two.
1: Number two, Alfredo Morales played his entire match and scored a goal, a game winning goal, um, for Ingolstadt over in their two to one win over Bayer Leverkusen, a much needed victory, a great headed goal for him and his first goal for Ingolstadt in the Bundesliga. Really? Yeah.
0: I feel, has he scored, like, in the... Pokal this season. This, excuse me. Excuse me. Okay, this okay.
1: season. This season. <laughs> Sorry. That's important. I, uh, yeah,
0: I knew. I knew. Okay, I knew I would seen Alfredo Morales goals before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe Bruce Arena will give him a shot because I don't... Did he make that many caps under Jurgen Klinsman? I don't remember. No.
1: No, yeah. he didn't. He didn't. So? Number one. Number one. All right. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to do it. Number one. Bobby Wood, uh, he played 84 minutes and scored a goal... And Hamburg's 3-1 loss to Mainz. A wonderful, wonderful goal from outside the box. Um, to, uh, the, it was their only goal. That was his third goal of the season. Today, Tuesday, he scored his fourth goal of the season. The game winner over Schalke to go up 2 nothing. They ended up winning 2-1. Great goal. Great individual skill. I sent you the goal. Did you watch it? No. Well, after we stop recording... I, how I watch about it? I watch it right
0: now and then... The, the audience right, will get well, to see my live well, reaction. Uh,
1: okay, I'll just I'll, dis- I'll describe it. He, he comes down the right wing, um, beats the entire defense, then cuts in onto his left foot, and a nice left-footed finish for him. Uh, you know, I'm just so excited for Bobby Wood and, and the potential he has with this team. Are you are you watching it right now? Uh, it's,
0: it's getting pulled up right now, but Bobby Wood, if you didn't know, was born in Hawaii. Uh, okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, I appreciate your uh, your stalling techniques. All right. Um,
0: so here he goes. Okay, he's running down the field. He's running down. Okay, stops for a second. Gets down to his left. Oh, what a strike!
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's your uh, that's your live commentary. Eighty second minute yeah. goal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was to put him up two nothing over Schalke. And, uh, and you said they that, ended up winning 2-1. Yeah. So that goal
0: was important because...
1: Yeah, it was the game-winning goal. It was, you know, they won 2-1. to one. So good for Bobby. Fourth goal of the season for him.
0: All right. Um, that looks like it's going to be it for the main part of the podcast. We have an email for this podcast. at soccerbrotherspodcast at com. We have Twitters and Instagrams. Those are at soccerbrospod. If you want to check out my brother on Twitter, he's at BigTimeBrownie. I'm at ASR underscore Sahel. Um, we also are on Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podkicker, pretty much everywhere where there's podcasts. So you should check us out on an offline source if you're only listening through Twitter on SoundCloud. Um, and make sure to give us feedback no matter where you're listening. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, we're also, we also have a website, SoccerBrothersPodcast.com. Go check that out. We have some cool stuff over there as well.
0: Yep. All right, we'll see you guys next time on episode 68 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Thanks.